Hey, 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 and welcome to Moms and Margaritas podcast. This week, we're circling back around and we're delighted to share the second part of Mary Beth Easler's interview. In part one, you got to hear her adoption story of how she adopted her amazing son, Henry. In part two, we are sharing Mary Beth's story of how she received her diagnosis um, and has in the last few years gone through a kidney transplant and is currently training for a triathlon that she's going to compete in this upcoming weekend. So I thought it was a great time to share this with you guys. Um, She's been through quite a lot. And part of that is that over the course of the last few years, she has um, received a lot of medical bills. Um, So just if you're listening, you can check on our Facebook page or Instagram page to see a link to where if you want to, you could support Mary Beth just as she's going through this journey. Um, Thank you all for listening. So yeah, like I said, I had kidney disease all my life. It was really well monitored. Um, uh, When I was in high school, I had an infection and that's really where they sort of developed this, they caught the high um, blood pressure and I really had to watch my diet and sodium and just really, they told me then when I was 15 that I would need a transplant in 15 to 20 years. So that would have been 35 at the far end of that spectrum. So keep that in mind as we tell the story because then, you know, um, we adopt Henry and I come home from my job. I start, I honestly had to look up postpartum depression, um, for adoptive parents, which is a very real thing because yes, I was like, absolutely. you, yeah, I pull, I mean, I left my unit, you know, my sense of self that I had. Right. Um, so I started running and really started working on my health and wellness and really my mental health game and, um, uh, started that whole journey really for longevity for my kid um because yes I did have this underlying but I also wanted to just be the best version of my of myself for him like it gives you an entirely new sense of purpose when you have a kid so I always really try to take care of myself um of course like definitely 80 20 rule like 80 percent on plan and compliant and then 20 percent splurges so um right exactly so so really, really great for a long time. Um, and then it really hit all at once. Um, what had happened was, I guess, the summer of, oh, where are we? Maybe 2017, the summer of 2017. Um, I just started not feeling right. Um, I was definitely getting more bloated in my belly and um, wasn't doing a whole lot of things differently. And just noticed myself feeling different. I remember being at a leadership retreat and being really, really emotional. And I was at another leadership retreat and I was going up the stairs and I literally could not breathe. Um, And so for me to call the doctor to say something's not right, that's a big deal. So I go in and my blood pressure was through the roof and they did the labs and my slowly my, my kidney function had been climbing, which means that they were working harder and harder, kind of like the RPMs in your car. It's like they're, you know, they're working, the, the engines are running, but nothing's happening. Um, so that was the very early stages of them. That was when mid, mid October, mid October was when he, maybe end of October was when he said, it's time for a new kidney. You want to get a new kidney? I was like, uh, sure. You make that sound easy. So made the referral to Vandy got in very quickly. I was so blessed. I'm pretty sure somebody made a call, if not multiple people. Um, I have no idea. And, you know, talking about that village, 
I don't know where so many people came from. Like, it yeah. was just... Um, I would see, like, meal trains and stuff. And by the time yeah. I would be able to look at my phone to respond, there was, yeah. like, I think yeah. she's got meals for the next three weeks. Well, I remember specifically there was a teacher at my son's school, and his wife worked at Vanderbilt, and I think that she tried to make a call. And then my doctor, of course, called the chief of transplant at Vanderbilt because he was affiliated with a different hospital that my insurance didn't take. Um, so like I had just had a lot of people on my side, which was great. Um, and Henry was always taken care of because in my mind, yeah. um, I've been a single mom before and I didn't have health issues and yeah. I can't imagine having that coming at me and yeah. going, how am I going to do this and make sure that the boys are taken care of? Yeah. I mean, obviously Josh was great. Um, and I remember but he travels. And he does. Yeah. Um, and, and I wasn't, I wasn't sick yet. I was not sick. I was not in pain. I was, I would get tired. I was, unco- I would, I, I don't want to say I was uncomfortable. I was okay. Um, I, but I remember I took Henry for a walk and when they, I can't remember when exactly I told him because I had my evaluation November 17th. So I got into Vanderbilt really quickly um, within like three or four weeks and it should have taken more like six weeks to get in. Um, So I had a conversation with Henry and we went for a walk and I said, hey dude, like, um, you know, I don't remember what I said, but it was good. (laughs) But there's also, there's also something about talking about something hard and walking and it's called the bilateral rhythm in your brain. So when you're walking and having a conversation, so note to self, if you have to have a conversation with someone, go for a walk and do it. Yes. Um, and then rather than sitting at a table where it's like kind of confrontational, you go for a walk. But anyway, so I remember telling him like, you know, this, this is going on and, um, you know, I'm going to really need you to be, it's going to be a hard few months and I'm going to really need you to be a, a good helper and a good listener. And, like I kind of put that expectation on him, which is hard, which now in retrospect, it's like, that's a lot of responsibility for a little kid. It's not his fault, sure. but yeah. he, he also had to understand what was going on. Yeah. Like I was good. And he, I've said, I'm just going to be tired. I might be tired sometimes and just, just understand that and maybe cranky or whatever. So I just kind of like set the tone where it's like, this is going on and it's may or may not be pretty. Yeah. Um, so um, yes, I always had a great village um, through it and, uh, Josh was great. And, and, but he also, to Josh's credit, we have a really unusual arrangement where I'm able to work part time because Josh works so much where he provides financially for that. He supports financially for that. Um, so I can be consistent for Henry. So, um, because of him, I didn't have to work. I hadn't had to worry about working full time or, or, or running myself ragged. I was able to rest when I needed to. And he would even text me like, how are you doing today? He's like, are you able to rest today? Like he was really, really great. I know it's like, they don't make them like Josh used to learn anymore. Let me tell you. So, um, and I, which is funny that I say that because we're divorced, but, um, but he, he's a great human. So, um, so then everything was fine from November. I got listed in April and everything was kind of smooth sailing. Everything was good. Um, do you have like an idea of how many people, we're going to give you their kidney out of their body. <laughs> I, 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 I do because, so let me tell this part of the story because then th- that shows up around August is when that really happened. So, um, in July, um, so when I, when I got evaluated, they found latent TB, latent tuberculosis, which 
a lot of people have like it's just in the air it's just it wasn't active it was it was nothing that I contracted it was just something like in the air um and but they made me get treated for it um because you get your transplant you go on an immune suppressant so it can turn into full-blown tb well the medicine so of course that was just ugly I was like that's a false positive like can we double check that they were like we checked it twice (laughs) so you (laughs) like we've got to take care of this we're not going to proceed with it I'm like, oh my God. So, well, the medicine that they gave me for it, for the TB that I didn't have, um, interacted with my blood pressure medicine. So it, it wasn't blocking my blood pressure. It was blocking my blood pressure medicine, I should say. So my blood pressure was skyrocketing going into the summer and I was almost done. I was almost done with this medicine. Well, in July, I crashed because my blood pressure is through the roof, stroke level, 220 over 140. Wow. Heart rate was 104. I remember the clearest day. It was was 4th of July. I had gone to bed. So it was really midnight on the 5th. um, And I woke up out of a dead sleep and I was just full of fluid. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't catch a breath. Um, Go to the ER. And uh, for some weird reason, we chose Williamson County Medical Center, which was great. But it's like this regional hospital here and in, in south of Nashville. And I didn't go to Vanderbilt. They're part of Vanderbilt. Um, because we were like, oh, it's the 4th of July. It's going to be a shit show. Like, oh, it's, it'll be, you know what I said? You know what I said? Because this is how I naive I was to what was going on. I said, it'll be a quicker in and out. Oh. It'll be a quicker in and out. Nine days later, I left. Ooh. So they could not get the right combination of meds. Nothing in and out yeah. It. Nothing in and out. ICU nine days. It was an emergency dialysis. They went in through my carotid artery. I had a and port where in my is heart. Henry? Is he with Josh? Um, at that point, so yeah, he was. He actually, it was Fourth of July, so he actually was with Josh that night. Okay. So that's yeah, he was with Josh that night. Um, and that's another backstory too that I'll tell you. Um, that set off the anxiety for him. That set off the anxiety for him because he said you went to the hospital and you called Lisa and didn't call me. I, he was with his dad and I went to the hospital. So he, so he carried that with him for like the next, you know, the next several months. Um, he had lots of anxiety. So nine days I had emergency dialysis and, um, they had to get the right combination of the medicine. They would not let me go without my blood pressure, like stabilized because obviously you're going to have a stroke. So that was interesting. Um, and then that started in center dialysis. Um, that's where we're now I have been sharing my link since November, since the day of the evaluation when they said your donors can get tested now, starting now, but they meant was just the blood test. So that's the first step. So I shared the link, you register online with this little five question thing and a little pre-screening thing. And that really just puts you in the queue to get a blood test to see if you're a blood test match. Then they have a conversation to say, do you want to come in and get tested? So they only test one one person, one donor per, per recipient at a time, obviously, because of scheduling and all that stuff. Sure. So from November, people were lining up to do that. So I had had a donor in testing since May, and I still to this day do not know who that person is. So they were already in testing. Then the link really started getting shared. It kind of went viral then. Um, so I'm on dialysis three times a week. Um, I could not drive at the time because the blood pressure had messed up my eye. So I had an ocular nerve palsy. So I was seeing like three lanes on the highway. I mean, one lane was three lanes. Um, And um, 
Anyway, so I had to have people drive me, um, and then for the first few weeks until that cleared up, it did clear up on my own on its own, which is fine. So then the permacath that they gave me was temporary. So in August, they made I had to make a decision whether I wanted the fistula in my arm or the peritoneal dialysis catheter in my in my belly. Excuse me, and um, so. August was that surgery and it was a few weeks before I could use that until it was ready to be used. So I remember sitting in the dialysis chair and I, I, people started screenshotting me and sending me this email from Vanderbilt, like what you're saying about, um, uh, they're like, we got this message. Like, what does this mean? And that they said, because of an overwhelming response, we no longer need any, we don't need any further information from you at this time. Um, and I was like, what? So I call them and I'm like, Hey, people are sending me this email that they got. And I said, um, I said, what's up? And she's like, well, we have several good compatible matches already for you. We have yeah. a donor in testing. And so okay, I knew that, but we have several good compatible blood test matches, like, yeah. like five or six. And like, we hardly ever test more than four or five for a donor. Yeah. So based on uh, some, like what I, Am I understanding that you're saying that there is a match in there somewhere? She's like, yeah. She's like, you're good. She's like, we will never get to the end of your list, girl. Like, you're you're <laughs> good. Yeah. So I was like, okay, here, here's a tip. Before you send that out, tell me that you're going to send that out. Right. Because it's like they're sending me this email, and I don't know what it you means. Didn't right. I didn't, right. I didn't know they had five or six compatible matches. I'm like, that is crazy. So, and then the way... Then of course, you know, the dialysis proceeds, which is, which I was hopeful because I was like, great, like balls are moving. Like, I've just got to keep chugging along here. Like they're doing their deal. Like that, that process is in motion. And then, um, then I started the peritoneal. I ended up having five surgeries within five months because I had the, um, the permacath and then I had the PD dialysis catheter. Then when they, she was doing laparoscopic for that, she saw fluid in my fallopian tubes. I went back two weeks later to get my fallopian tubes out. Um, so that was a mess. And then of course the transplant, um, in November. And then, uh, like after the transplant, we took out the PD catheter. They don't take it out until they make sure that you're good yeah, um, in so, case they need it. So, so back to the, the actual transplant. So I've got donors and testing. Um, I'm starting my home manual, my home peritoneal dialysis and Vanderbilt calls and says that they're, they're lining up another one to, to come in for testing. Cause this donor has been in testing for six months. It's a two to six month process. So she's like, in case this one doesn't work out for some reason, then, um, we just don't want to waste that time. We want to have somebody else in the pipeline. Um, and it turned out it was my friend Lauren from Maine. Um, which is awesome. And she, uh, I, I knew several of the matches, which, which is great. Um, and then she was really, the, she was the one that said wherever, whenever. So she, she wasn't limited to scheduling and sure, things like that. She's like, I'll, I'll be there. So, um, but they weren't going to be able to get her and just start testing until January. And then that's another six months process. So, so anyway, so we're in October now and they've called another desk donor for testing. And, um, so that, that process is, is all in motion and things are moving forward and I'm, I'm doing dialysis and coming home and about to do the cycler to go on overnight, um, to do dialysis overnight. And, um, I knew that a friend's son was, um, killed or attacked or something had happened, um, on Halloween night and that weekend, 
I got a call, calls and texts, and like it was blown up. My friend Jason had a transplant a couple years before, and he's friends with this family. We're all mutual friends. And, um, well, there, I knew who this family was. I, they did not know me, but I knew who they were. Um, but we're all connected by the same, um, network marketing company called Advocare. And Jason was reaching out to me to say, Hey, are you good with a donor? Um, friends, son was killed and they're trying to allocate the, the organs. And I said, who is it? And he said, Mia and Rich. And I said, that's who I thought it was. That's what I was afraid of because I had seen little rumblings on Facebook. Nobody really came out and announced it, but like I knew somebody said something about their mentor's son. And I was like, that's Mia. So anyways, I put it, I kind of put two and two together and he had sent me this direct donation form. Um, or literally it might've been an organ request form. It was the weirdest thing. I didn't even realize it was a thing. And it was literally like six questions. It was like name, social, like program that your, um, your transplant program, your transplant center and your blood type An organ requested, like organ requested, like just yeah. so surreal. Yeah. I remember it was a Sunday morning. I was by myself. Henry must've been with his, job, with his dad. And so I fill it out, send it back. I said, okay, here, like, okay, like put it in. Of course, like I'll put my name in the queue. And, uh, I got a call from Vanderbilt that night saying we have an offer. I said, Oh, okay, good. And she said, but you know, then she realized I knew the situation. So they were starting their ball rolling and starting that process. Then the next morning she called me and she's like, well, I found out more. There were six four or six requests for the kidneys. So they had, they asked the family if the family had preferences and, um, they, so that they didn't, and they turned it over to like the national, I forget exactly what it's called, but basically the national list for sequencing. Like, okay, what order are these people sure. in? So I came in second. Um, so primary technically, the primary person technically had the offer. She's like, I can't technically give you the offer because primary technically has the offer. They have one or the other. I said, okay. And she said, we won't know for sure until we have the anatomy in hand. But, and this was a series of conversations over Monday. But I'm making it short. Um, it was a lot of back and forth, a lot of conversations. And I knew, I knew too much because of the families involved and, and, and what, I, what I knew from that. So she was just like, I'm just going to tell you what I can tell you. I was like, that's fine. Like, that's better. Like, just tell me what I need to know. So again, talking about highly trained social workers, like she was eliminating risks. She did a great job with word choice. Like nothing was promised. And she was awesome. Yeah. So they were going to harvest the organs. And they also had to coordinate the surgical teams because like cardiac likes to pull their own and lungs like to pull their own. So these surgical teams are coming from across the country. So the coordinating all that. So they were doing the harvest on Monday night and she said, we won't know until overnight. Um, but we can't see any reason why they, we, this, our surgeon won't, won't accept this. So it was like a 90% chance, but I had told literally like five people at that point, like my kid's principal, my kid's teacher, obviously his dad, um, I hadn't even told my family. I told the girl that was coming with me to the hospital. I think that was it. Um, and I told key players who like, we're going to have to like activate <laughs> if I got this call and I didn't even pack a bag. I didn't even pack a bag. I kind of knew where stuff was that I wanted to bring. Um, so we had a family dinner Monday night. Um, Henry was really nervous. Um, we had open communication. I said, I won't know until overnight. I said, you're going to go to school tomorrow. He ended up going home with his dad that night. He's like, I'll be more comfortable. I said, that's fine. You do that. I said, that's perfect because you can get him out the door and get him off to school before in case I get a call or before I get a call or whatever. That's exactly how it happened because they, um, 
Josh and Henry called me and they were like, do you know anything? I said, nope, I haven't heard a thing. Go to school. I said, if the second we hear of something like Dr. Wharton knows she's on call, like somebody will let you know. So, um, and then literally as soon, no sooner did I have that phone call that, that Vanderbilt called and they were, they said, yep, we want you to come on in. I said, oh my God, I got it. And they're like, yeah, you did. Like we thought you were going to like, come on in. So, um, so and that call and then how long until, so, um, they were going to try to ha- hold me out and just wait it out. Um, because I was so close because they didn't want me to have to sit there for eight hours or whatever. And I, so, um, so we go in and they, they do the preliminary blood work, make sure I'm good to go. I do lots of vitals. Like lots of doctors had come in to talk to me. It was just me and Lisa at the, at the time. Um, and she had gone through the, the education class and all that stuff with me. And then, um, it kind of, I was relatively calm. Um, the kidney wasn't even going to get there until like that later that afternoon. And they had to do the cross match, like the live cross match with the bloods. I think, um, they had done it virtually on the computer. So we knew it looked good. We knew it was on the way. Um, I mean, but they also had to get a surgery time. They had to get me in a room because I had to be in a very specific room for 24 hours on very specific monitors. And then, um, so they had to like discharge people and they, they had just their whole process. So like, I was trying to stay calm. Like Lisa was working. I don't even know what, I guess I was on the phone. I don't know what I was doing. And it was funny because like my friend texted me and was like, Hey, do you want to go for a hike tomorrow? And I was like, well, I might be having a kidney transplant. <laughs> she was like, what? And I had like replied to a group text cause it was, it was going in motion. So like maybe by Tuesday, maybe 20 people knew, um, it was not public. And I was like nothing on Facebook. I said, but we're, we're waiting, we're doing all this stuff. So, um, then they had attentive surgery time for like nine that night because, because they figured they'd have the kidney at four. It's a four hour cross match. Like they had to line all these things up. So it wasn't going to be until later that night. Um, so I get in a room at that point, like later in the afternoon, like Josh and Henry had come up, my friend Monica and Kim, my friend Marie, um, came up. So there was, there was a couple of us. And so I, I had some, some people there and, um, uh, so they get me in my, my own room they showed Henry where I, where I would be. And then he went home with Josh. So it was just me and Marie and Monica and, um, Kim and Lisa. I may have forgotten Monica. Yeah. So the four of the, the, the four of them and, um, uh, I'll never forget it. It was like, it, it was maybe like five or something like that. And somewhere around like six or six thirty. This, my little nurse, Tina, she comes busting in my room because I wouldn't change. I'm like, I'm not changing until I'm rolling. And I'm like, I'm going to sit here in my sweatpants. So she comes busting and she's like, time to change. Transport's on, on its way. Like transport's coming down the hallway. So I'm change. Time to go. And I was like, what? It's like 630. You said nine. She's like, I know they're coming. Like, let's go change. And it was literally something that you would see backstage at a show. Like they're like people like literally ripped my clothes off and we were trying to put my gown on. Wow. And our, my friend Kim was like, you still have your leggings on. Whoosh, and she pulled them down. <laughs> um, and then we cried and then I was like, okay. And then we just hugged and I, I'm pretty sure somebody prayed at some point. And, um, and then Lisa was able to walk me down to pre-op and, uh, we hung out there for a little bit because of course they had to do all their stuff. And then I guess they rolled me back at maybe like eight 30 or so. And it was probably nine for the first cut. Um, and then the surgery was from nine to 11 recovery. I was back in my room at one fifteen. Um, and I remember I was wired. I was wired. I forgot. I must've been adrenaline or something. I was like chatty Kathy and Lisa was sleeping cause she stayed and 
Um, I'm like, I'm back. (laughs) And, um, uh, and then that morning I remember I woke up at like, I mean, I was, of course it was terrible sleep. I mean, I was, I was, I practically slept. I barely slept, but I was, um, I remember they came in at five for like vitals and weight or something like that. And, and I said, I'm going to get up in a little bit and walk because I knew I needed to. I didn't want to have to have them tell me to. I was like, I know that that's the first step. So at like 6.15, I was walking. So like five hours later, I was like, I'm like, I'm getting up. I'm getting up. We're going for a walk. So, yeah. So for time's sake, because I know that the aftermath of that Mm -hmm. is, the reality is that it's not over. And that's a whole future of. Yeah test and being checked on and um but here you are (laughs) you came to do this podcast today Mm -hmm. after swimming in a lake this morning and going (laughs) on a bike ride and you are now on your way to doing a triathlon yeah with Mm -hmm. a brand new kidney yeah new to you new to me new to you um last week i was at a 5k and you were there i was there doing a 5k with your new kidney yep um I just, I can't believe it. Did, was the doctor <laughs> like, hey, and, you, and with this new kidney, you should probably do a triathlon? <laughs> no, it's funny because I remember complaining like at the beginning of the year. I'm like, I'm gaining weight. And I'm, I had lost 20 pounds of fluid and then I started gaining weight. And I'm like, I'm not eating that bad. Um, but I was eating normal and really my activity hadn't increased. I was like, all right, well, that's fine. My body's adjusting. Like it'll, it'll, it'll work itself out. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Long story short, there's just so much to this, I think. Yeah. I had reached out to my friend who's a trainer, um, and that's where Tenacity Foundation entered my life because they were like, apply for Tenacity Foundation, and that is an agency, excuse me, a foundation that um, that uh, helps athletes recover from trauma. There's two tracks, an athletic track for like fit, active, athletic people who have gone through some trauma, and they're trying to get back to a healthy, active lifestyle. Or also a medical track for when you run out of PT visits because okay. PT Mac, Mac is at like 24. Sure. And my friend Thomas, or not, he's my friend now, I hadn't met him until last week, but um, he was in a tragic car accident when he was 21 and he was doing triathlons and, and all of that. Then he had months of physical therapy that he needed and he only had 24 visits. So they were able to pay out of pocket. But he's like, what do people do? Like, that's where it birthed the idea 10 years ago. Right. Um, where it's like, what do people do if they can't finance this? Because he wasn't walking when his PT ended. Yeah. Um, and, of course, he's done several Ironman since, and he's about to do another one, and he's amazing. And so that's where he birthed Tenacity. So they, I'm the first athlete that they sponsored. Oh, um, wow. So, um so that is great. So I got 20, they, they're providing 24 personal training sessions for me within 12 weeks. And I'm actually, this is my last week of it. Um, and in that it was, it was several reasons because a, I needed more cardio. I'm like, well, if I'm gonna do cardio, then I'm going to like check off some boxes and yeah. accomplish something at the end of it. Yeah. I had done a mini try last year, which was a 10 minute swim, a 20 minute indoor bike and a one mile around tower park in Broadwood. And it was just enough. It's it's great because it's a first. It's a great first try if you've never done it to try the sport. But then it's also a great first try of the season. Yeah. Kind of work out the the cobwebs. So I got a taste of it, and I was like, "How cool would that be to kind of bookend it like that?" Because I did that yeah. sick yeah. like what right before I got listed. Um, 
and then how cool to do it as part of my recovery and set that goal and, and, and do like a real one <laughs> or like a regular. So it, yeah, it's a sprint triathlon. It's a 400 meter swim in the Cumberland river, um, in Ashland city, a 14 mile bike ride and a 5k. And I said, well, all right, well, all of those are achievable distances. Yeah. And I had 10 weeks at the time and I said, that's a great goal. That's a great goal. That's amazing. And, that's so cool. And that's tenacity. That's really, really cool. I didn't know that that was the way that that program. Yeah. So yeah, I obviously I'm the first athlete and I think they just got chartered, just got their 501c3 in maybe October. So, and then this happened in, I think I applied in February and they, I got it in March and I started training in April. So, um, Um, last question that I have for you. Um, and it just partially is because we've discussed this just very briefly, but also because, um, my biggest passion is to live generously and um, if people do listen to this podcast Mm -hmm. i would love to create a community of wildly generous people Mm -hmm. um, or just kind of help cultivate that yeah um what kind of situation are you left in financially with with bills to cover or are they covered is there yeah um i was really actually surprised that a lot of the pre-stuff the evaluation was not so um all of the transplant i have not yet seen a bill for the transplant i believe it was 100 percent covered i still need to confirm that because of course it was seven months ago but i still i still have about 30 percent 30 30 percent thirty thousand dollars in medical debt um and I do, I work part time, obviously, right now. Um, I'm trying not to make any permanent decisions on that, but I have a lot of um, seeds planted and um, opportunities that I'm pursuing. So, I mean, I'm working, I work part time, um, I'm a health and wellness coach. So, I mean, I, I, I work as much as I can um, right now. So, yeah, I have about um, $30,000 in medical debt more so from before the transplant from like the infusions I had to get because of the anemia and the dialysis, I have a huge bill from dialysis that I didn't realize wasn't covered. And then, um, the evaluation was like nine or $13,000 alone. I was like, is there a place where our listeners could go to? Yeah. It's, um, I just got my, um, it's called the National Foundation for Transplants. And so it should be, I'm not sure the website, I'll have to text yeah, it to you. We'll yeah. add it. We'll add it. Yeah. But um, it's uh, the National Foundation for Transplants. And you can put in my name, Mary Beth Eastler. And there's a there's a page specifically on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, That's awesome. awesome. I'd appreciate that. That's great. Thanks for sharing well, the word. Mary Beth, thank you so much for your time This today. is so I fun. I so feel like we could have talked for hours. I finished my margarita. You didn't finish I didn't. I was, t- I was talking. I'm going to... Slip on it down. Awesome. Well, thank you so much and peace out.